You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. Boy, oh boy, this one has been a long time coming, and I'm very sad about what you're about to hear. So if you get even three minutes into this and you can't take it anymore, I completely understand. I was very lucky to have an interview with Jeff Goldblum couple months ago. And since then, I've been working both alone and with a few people on a site called Upwork to try to clean up this audio. Unfortunately, the audio quality is just not where I would like it to be. So like I said, if you can't take it, turn it off. But otherwise, I hope you enjoy this wonderful time that I had speaking with Jeff Goldblum about his career. We didn't really have an agenda. We just kind of talked for about an hour and I had the time of my life and I hope that you do too. Well, usually when I talk to somebody, I have very much an agenda and it's like, okay, we're going to talk about this movie and you know get all that background and stuff. But I don't have that with you. I just wanted to talk about movies with you. I saw you in the that cult films documentary and I spoke with the directors and they're like, Jeff just likes to talk about movies. And I said, all right, sounds good to me. I do. I do. And you, I, you were always into movies, and I'd love to talk to movies about you and about that Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, I remember going to the theater way back when with my mom. I, one of the first ones I remember seeing is uh, Murder by Death. Oh, wait a minute. Murder by Death? Is that an Agatha Christie thing? It's kind of a parody of, of that. It was Truman Capote as the guy who calls all the greatest detectives so you've got like uh peter sellers as the charlie chan type character and peter falk as the uh uh sam spade type character you remember that one yeah i didn't see that movie wow i, I could see that shouldn't I? it was a lot of fun i remember it being hilarious i don't know if it still is but i remember having a good time with that hey i should keep a pen and paper handy and during a conversation i'll bring up with some movies that I could put on my list to see. Let's talk about anything you want to talk about. I've also been curious about how you got onto Columbo. Oh, that's funny. Well, that was, what year was that? Probably 1975-ish, I'm guessing. As I was just, you know, since I think I saw the episode when it was airing, not since then, which was 75-ish, had I seen any images from it, but then on my Instagram, the other day, somebody had a picture of me i'll be darned in it and i went wow there we go from 1975 well as i remember i had you know graduated high school in pittsburgh in 70 went gone to new york out to say the neighbor playhouse and got in a broadway show and another off-broadway show and started a couple of movies started not starting but started doing a couple of movies uh death wish and uh, california split that's the first time i came out and saw california at all picked me up and i went from the airport to uh, Robert Alton's offices in Westwood. Anyway, did California split. And then Nashville in 70, what, three-ish, four-ish. 
and then went back to New York and did next stop Furniture Village. And then what happened? But oh, even even when I went back there, it was I was already living in L.A. because an agent had seen me in El Grande Coca-Cola, the show, the show that Robert Alvin's seen in the to put me in a couple of movies and said, hey, if you want to have a show you around, well, you know, come come to California. And that was Abby Gressler, who uh, had Diamond Artists. That was his agency. He had handled Martin Lewis, as the legend has it. And I said, yeah, I'll come out there. After having done Nashville, I got a taste of all these people from California and seeing Robert Alton's offices. And I thought, yeah, I should go out there and let them so-called show me around, whatever that means. And I went out there stayed with a friend, I think, in Hollywood, and, you know, would call them every day. And, yeah, I had some meetings. And so they set me up on a couple of meetings. I think one of them was Palumbo. You know, I did Blue Knight also, the George Kennedy star, you know, series. And I did Laverne and Shirley. I hit around that same year. And that's about it. Oh, and I did a Stucky and Hutch right around that same year, about 75. So, Along with those little collection of opportunities I had, I think through Diamond Artists and Abby Gressler, sure enough, I got on the set of, and it was basically an extra. It was kind of a part that wasn't really a part. I don't know if I had any lines. I think I was part of this, as I remember it, sort of Middle Eastern, the group of Middle Eastern people who were cooking something and maybe even saying a a foreign language phrase or chanting a foreign language phrase. I, I don't know. And I saw the picture the other day and I had some, I had my long sideburns on from 75 that I must have thought were, were okay that I couldn't part with and some kind of John Lennon kind of glasses and I probably had since high school. Anyway, yeah, that's the story. And, uh, and there was, uh, you know, I think I saw Peter Falk from a distance, maybe. I don't think I spoke to him. But uh, who would have known? I wouldn't have known. It would, it would have been years later that I would have been acting with him in Vibes uh, on the back lot of Universal, probably right where we were shooting uh, uh, Colombo, and also for a couple of exterior weeks in uh, Cueca in Ecuador, uh, where the height was uh, noticeable, at least for me and my physiognomy. I was dizzy and didn't feel so good as Colombo. I always wondered if uh, you and Falk had met while you were on there. But, yeah, I, I can imagine they probably kept the star far away from the extras. I guess so. I don't know that I tried to, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, it wasn't IMDb. And even though, and so I don't know what I would have talked to him about. I'll, I remember my mom, speaking of movies, taking us to see a first run of Pocket Full of Miracles. Oh, wow. You know that movie, you expert man? You? I do know that movie, yeah. So it came out in, well, like we could look up the year, but I was, I don't know, like 12 or something or 11, and uh, Glenn Ford, of course, starred in it, and Peter Falk was his sidekick, a very kind of feisty, uh, uh, you know, New York um, gang guy. And of course, uh, Betty Davis was it. Yeah, I thought that was charming. It made a big impression on me. And there I was years later. So I could have asked him about that, but like I said, there was no IMDb, so I would have forgotten all who knows what I hadn't been exposed to. I, you know, although my parents, let, listen to this, in Pittsburgh, they were, my dad was a doctor who at one time maybe wanted to be an actor, flirted with it, you know, his youth. Also, my mom had flirted with it. So they were culturally aspirational, you know, and they would take trips to New York, come back with cast albums of musicals. And, uh, you know, that's how I started to learn Trouble in River City from their music band. They saw Robert Preston on stage in the music band, and they saw Zero Mustel on stage doing Fiddler on the that kind of thing. 
Uh, they came back with stories about having seen Lee J. Cobb do King Lear. They were, you know, they had interesting tastes. And, and in that same vein, in Pittsburgh, I was saying they would take us to see first-run movies. This was a fertile time, as you know, the mid-late 60s particularly. You know, not only did we see, you know, Easy Rider, but all those, a lot of other interesting, I remember seeing um, Donald Sutherland in Joanna, a British interesting avant-garde kind of movie. A dramatic, at least. Uh, I'm Curious Yellow. We wow. run around that time of uh, Who's the Peter Wolf, which I have a little understanding of, and I'm still trying to decipher it, but all of that. So, in that same way, they took us to see some of those first Cassavetti, I think, were the first Cassavetti movies came out in a theater, once again, one of these art, like a single art theater around Pittsburgh, where we were, you know, the Guild, well, I think it was named the Guild in Shady South Oakland. We went to see Shadows or Faces, one of those first Cassavetti's movies, and then we saw Minion Moskowitz. Yeah, this is when the counterculture was sort of bridging, and so she comes in the contact this uh, guy played by, go ahead, you tell me. Seymour Cassell. Seymour Cassell, of course, who uh, I would later have kind of rubbed elbows with around the Wes Anderson world, right? Because we crossed paths a little bit, or almost crossed paths, uh, around Life Aquatic. So, maybe so, did we see Husbands too? We could have seen Husbands or maybe I caught up with that, probably late 60s now. So, you know, I could have asked him a question or two on the set of Colombo, but, you know, I, I didn't try to approach him. They probably tried to keep us apart. And uh, and then by the time we did Vibes, I don't know if I was any more inquisitive or about that thing, but, you know, he was wonderful. And he was, and he, he became friends with um, my good friend Ed Begley Jr., with whom I did, you know, Transylvania 65,000 and that movie Pittsburgh that uh, we, we cooked up and improvised. And he became palsy with Peter Falk and kind of kept in touch with him daily as he was, as his health was failing, as he did with, as he does and has done at Pegasus with uh, many other people like that. He's a kind of a saintly and very, very wonderful and good person. He's a, I'm so lucky to have him as a friend. And yes, he would call Peter, I think, and daily kind of do over the phone, do the crossword puzzle with him. Oh, wow. Anyway. Uh, stop me before I ramble on more. How long have you been playing the piano? You know, of course, my son Charlie is doing pretty well, and he's only six. I must say, I'm struck every day that I was not even starting for a few years. I think in my memory, I started playing piano around nine or ten or something like that. Is that possible? You know, I think so. That's when my mom sort of offered it. There were two other brothers ahead of me. And then there was my younger sister, and she offered us all, uh, not only these movies, you know, going out, you know, events, but uh, lessons, lessons in dance, and uh, which I took, and art. I have special flair for art, and I was part of, so I suppose my sister was part of these specialized classes. But they made sure we, we attended those and helped us do that. And uh, then, of course, what we're talking about is piano. Yeah, they would have uh, Tommy Emmel come over and give us lessons. My old brother... One of them, Rick, uh, did clarinet, but he didn't keep up with that. Leanna, he started mine. She didn't keep up with much of anything, so it didn't take with those guys. But I remember Rick played clarinet, and that's funny. And yeah, listening to Pete, Pete Fountain and Betty Goodman album. But me, I started playing piano, and Tommy Elm came over, and uh, yeah, you know, I was the best student, but I had a facility, you know, took after a while, especially when he gave me uh, some jazz arrangements to learn. That's when I went, hey, I'm going to, I don't know about this discipline practice business, but now I'm just going to sit here and practice till I know how to play this thing. I'm crazy about it. 
I think I was Allie's cat, but I was like, and so I did that. And then by and by, I, I got some fake books and learned how to improvise and play jazz. And then he found this uh, teacher who's still around. And I saw an interview with him recently where he mentioned me oh, wow. uh, as one of his former students. His name is Frank Cunamundo, if anybody's listening and knows about this. And he's still around, quite older now. But he was a good piano player who you know, had gigs, had an album out around that same time and would do gigs around Pittsburgh, which is kind of hotbed of jazz musicians has been over the decades. And I went over to his house, went to his basement on that Mason and Hamlet piano that he had, and, and he taught me voicings and harmonies and how to improvise. And how about that? One of my favorite things about you is just when you show up in an ensemble film. And the first time I ever saw you is actually in The Big Chill. And then going back and seeing things like Between the Lines and Silverado, I mean, I always like what you bring to that larger cast of actors. It's always great when you add that extra spice in there. So who I'd be on the spice shelf. What do you think? Um, I'd be a, 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 a bay leaf or somebody, some kind of sprig of uh, paprika or, or something. <laughs> I don't know, a sprinkle of paprika. But whatever I am, yeah, you know, Sandy Meisner, my terrific teacher, who a lot of people know, came from the group theater, was communal and collaborative-oriented, you know, and the cornerstone of his technique was that the other guy is more interesting than you, as far as you're concerned. And you might, something may open up, and you might have some more high-quality moments if you put your attention on the other guy and, and gal. And uh, so being part of a group or, or having a partner, that was all part of my early training. Uh, I like this group idea. And I think falling in love with acting and developing this obsession, this was my future that I must pursue while in Pittsburgh, had to do with finding a group that was distinct from the kids I was going to school with, regular public school in West Homestead. When I went to Chatham Music Day Camp and saw these other group, this other group of kids who, wherever they were recruited to take arts and crafts and archery and softball and music appreciation and drama, I was out of my mind in love. And then the whole world sort of opened wide for me. And then when I went to Carnegie Mellon University between 9th and 10th and 10th and 11th grades in the summers, again, a six-week kind of summer session, I was infatuated. That bunch of people, this is 67, 68, politically involved, they were, you know, um, a campaign for Bobby Kennedy, and this is the celebrity was shot also. So much was going on, but I was, for the first time, engaged with this group and just thrilled. Maybe it's something I've never thought or just talked about, it, but maybe some connection between that and my interest in and somehow being magnet for interesting opportunities to do some group things and feeling at home. And that's kind of, you know, savoring it, you know. Was there a time, or has there ever been a time, where you said, okay, I have this acting thing, I've made it? Was there ever a time where you're just like, okay, this role is the one that is putting me on the map, I, I'm good? Mostly no. I mean, maybe there's a little yes in there, some landmarks where I go, hey, I think I know myself a little bit better now, or hey, this movie, I'm a little established now in the marketplace, and you know, I think I'll be okay. I may have been elements of that and moments of that, but mostly because, once again, my acting teacher, Sandy Meisner, said it takes 20 years, you know, if we're talking about just feeling, hey, I'm an actor, I've, may, I've achieved, I've arrived at my technique, kind of, or my inner life, or my creative 
I have my creative thing. Although, I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to contradict myself after I finish this thought. Uh, because he said it takes 20 years to even call yourself an actor of continual work. And then a lifetime of continual work, if you're lucky to uh, fix such a thing, of upward progress. Uh, we just keep trying to get better. I kind of took that to heart, and that's sort of what happened. And I'm, I said that I'm a late bloomer, and that's true. I, I keep feeling that I'm, I've got grand things ahead of me, you know, and all that. Having said that, now that I'm just sort of saying out loud, do you know what I superly do? I think in the last decade, I wouldn't say, no, I made it in a way. Well, you know, I don't know that I'd use that phrase. But I feel I'm enjoying myself more than ever, and I trust myself more than ever. So I, whatever I'm asked to do, and whatever I could get, I'm chance enough to pick to do. Because I have the pleasure of picking one thing or another. I don't overwork as much as I used to. So this is an answer to the question, I think, because early on, I would go, geez, I, what Sandy Meisner says is true, and uh, it's good I'm getting the chance to do this, but boy, I, I hope they don't know I'm really not an actor yet. They wouldn't call me an actor yet, and I, I still have a lot to learn. And, and certainly when I look back on some of the things I did, I go, oh boy, I'm uh, lucky I got another chance after that. And I could still, I know how to do it better now. I, I would know what to do to make it better now, at least in my subjective standards. So, in the last decade, though, I've said I kind of know what I can do. I still want to reach out, stretch out, and try to do things that, I, that are out of my comfort zone and allow me to keep learning and all that. But I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I kind of know myself. And it's gratifying to see that, hmm, you know, at least for the moment, this is all fleet, as you know, ever-changing. They seem to get something out of the things that I enjoy doing. It feels like after Jurassic Park and Independence Day, everybody I, that I know knew who you were, but it feels like the whole world knew who you were after that. It's like, it feels like those were kind of like milestones as far as this is now a different era of Jeff Goldblum and you became more of a household name. I, obviously, you were leading films way before that, but it just feels like those just cemented you into pop culture so strongly. Yeah, they were. I, I was lucky. They were fifth one as you know. I was after that kind of thing, which is which has been has been nice, yeah, and useful and uh, enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I've done a couple of being in those popular movies, well done movies, and movies that were enjoyed. Yeah, that's right. They were popular. I'm kind of uh, more known here and there. But there's always a uh, a way to keep a good head on your shoulders. Just this, I'm thinking about a couple of days ago. I was in a hotel in New York, and the guy said, "Oh, it's so nice to see you, Mr. Bloomberg." <laughs> So there was that, and then he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 I, no, I, I know who you are. I, I, uh, yeah, I like that movie that you did, Undercover." I said, um, "Maybe you're thinking of Deep Cover." Right. Oh yeah, yeah, Deep Cover. I was foggy, and then many people certainly don't know who I am at all. So that's fine and dandy. But I, I've been in some popular movies, and uh, it seems to be evidence in my anecdotal experience that people here and there, you know, you know me. <laughs> When I was younger, I think I was uh, 16, I guess. It was, yeah, I guess I was 16. I had to drive for over an hour and a half to get to a theater to see Earth Girls Are Easy, just because it wasn't playing wide around here. But my God, the, the trip was worth it. That film, and then I just rewatched it the other day. It is so fun. Did you have a good time on that one? I did. Where were you that you had to drive? That they weren't trying that around you? 
Well, I was down, I, I live just south of Detroit, uh, downriver is what they call it. And I had to drive all the way out to Southfield, Michigan, which is, yeah, about an hour and a half of, uh, drive. And this is back when I first had my driver's license. So made that trip because I was so intrigued. Yeah, well, guys, thank you for doing that. Um, yes, I had a good time doing that. That brings us to the wait a minute, right? We shot that in the summer of, don't tell me, I'll bet it was 88-ish. Right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I did have a good time doing that. Julian Temple, the director, is an interesting fella. And he, he had done Absolute Beginners before that, which was interesting, you know, and well done. And he was, he was, he was uh, you know, he said, uh, hey, you know, my, one of my inspirations for this movie, the movie you should see if you haven't, and that's The Girl Can't Help It. Do you know that movie? Oh, yeah, the old Frank Tashlin film. Frank, you know your piece and juice. Yes, Frank Cashman, who did a lot of the Jerry Dean movies. Yes, and of course, that's uh, it's Jane Mansfield and Edmund O'Brien, who was in, if we were playing the movie game, that takes us, if you go after the movie, after the movie, that takes us to Matter Shot Liberty Valance, which I saw with my sister at the Leona Theater uh, on a first run, whenever that came out, 60, you know, mid 60s. So, Edmund O'Brien, um, so I saw that. That's a, that's a hip item. You know, one rock, two rocks. That is something. And he wanted our movie to be a little bit like that. And you know who does that, too? It's Wes Anderson. We'll give you a, uh, as you've heard before, I'm sure we'll, we'll give us all, this lovely, lucky band of actors that he gets, a whole bunch of, you know, 12 or 20 or uh, movies that have sort of been the inspiration for whatever whatever he's currently attempting to do. And it's, it's a great course to take. There are many that I need to see right now for one reason or another i'll tell you later but yeah so like that so julian temple and we shot it it was hot that summer i remember after having done the fly just not that long before that i went got into that kind of hot rubbery furry suit and then sat for a few hours of the very talented uh, application of uh, some uh, airbrushed kind of braid on stuff on my face to make it look like a continuation of blue fur, and we rehearsed, and uh, so I was a little bit, you know, kind of uh, my my threshold of tolerance was a little strained, but it was fine, Dandy. They were very nice, and of course Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans were my cohorts, and they were spectacularly fun and funny and creative. And Gina Davis was fun to act with again. It was real fun. I got to play the piano a little bit in it. Um, Julie Brown. There's downtown. There were two Julie Browns. There's downtown Julie Brown, and there's Julie Brown who's uh, very funny. And you know who was in it? Remember who made it? Well, you just saw it recently. Remember Angeline made a little cameo. Yeah. How about that? The day she was on the set, that was hilarious. It was an all-around interesting and good and fun time. And of course, the great Michael McKeon plays the pool boy. I uh, loved him and all those Chris Guest movies and many other things I've seen on stage and I think he's terrific. So very nice opportunity. Yeah. Lovely. And then people like, like it, you know, here and that's got a little, I guess you'd say, called Colin. People come up and say, Oh yeah, that's the movie. You know, and then me coming out of that, that tanning booth or whatever it is, or when I'm, I guess it's the boots that they've not cut all my, kicked all my hair up. You know? Right. And I, of course I had to really actually shave my real hair on my chest and arms. I think for some of that, some of those shots, the only time I did that. <laughs> yeah, it feels like in those days, especially, God, you look like you were just carved out of wood for the fly. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I'd been working out for the fly, and I had started to work out in about 83, a few years before then. It was around the big chill where you still see them. Kind of got my invasion of my stature, 78, kind of lanky, skinny kind of physique. And I, for one reason or another, decided to, oh, I remember, Ron Silver, my friend with whom I'd uh, done a play, I was the Coca-Cola, in fact. I saw a gym, and I wasn't such a gym person. I saw on the Upper East Side. I went to a gym to, to kind of go to a spa because I liked it. I, I went, oh, you know, I'll take one of these days and kind of go in the steam room or this and that. And, that. and I ran into him, and he was doing this uh, circuit of machines. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you got to go to a gym these days and lift some weights. And I think that's what started me on that. Anyway, around 83, I started. By 86, it was a fly. And then this is a year after that. Yeah, I was still kind of doing a little sculpting and chiseling. I might have been, I don't know how. Woody I was, but I, you know, I had some, some I had a muscle injury. When you step out of the uh, the teleportation chamber, I mean, there were female gasps in the audience of just how good you were looking. Oh, that's sweet to hear. Lovely. Thank you. I'll tell you, I had, uh, whatever I thought I was doing, for whatever reason, it was part of my preparation. Maybe, well, I was, I was working hard. I, I had weights. I would take weights with me everywhere. And, you know, uh, dumbbells. And I had dumbbells on the set in Toronto, you know, the winter, a very cold winter, and I was getting this makeup on this and that. But uh, whatever shot we were doing, I had these weights. And just prior to the, the scene, too, I would kind of pump myself up, which I see people doing now, which I don't do really. I guess if I had a certain part, I guess I would do it. But I, I don't, I, I kind of um, don't prepare in a lot of ways. I kind of chat and then I, you know, I don't know what I do, but I don't do what I used to do, which is sort of over-prepare in a lot of ways. But a lot of people I see have rubber bands, and they really want to get themselves uh, uh, looking good before the shot. So they do that. I haven't done that for a while. But I was doing that in the fly. Yeah, I was I was sort of pumping the iron. I had benches and stuff in my dressing room, and boy, I worked hard. Yeah. From what I understand, you are kind of a fan of old Vincent Price movies. So here's what happened. I mean, I guess I'm a fan, but I have affection for them. And if mm-hmm. I saw them again, which I should I should revisit them, they would bring back a whole time. Because me and my sister, Pam, like I said, used to go to the Leona Theater. They're not far down. It was in Homestead. And we would, my mom would drive us over there and give us the, whatever it was, 30 cents, like 50 cents or something for our tickets. And, and we'd go in there every couple weeks and see a couple of movies maybe and get popcorn and butter on it and hot dogs at the same time with mustard. Boy, that combination still brings me back to that. And that whole theater is just great. And it was an old, you know, kind of Rococo, a beautiful old jewel box of a theater. And we would see first-run things, just the two of us, uh, that were of some great stuff, like Bridge on the River Quarry and other stuff that was really good. But a lot of Roger Corman stuff and Vincent Price things that were coming up right around that time. Diary of a Madman, I remember, made a big impression on me. And uh, then we, you know, begged my parents to go to a drive-in and take us to see The Raven with Vincent Price and Peter Laurie and Boris Karloff and Pit the Pendulum and all that stuff. So I was into that, ooh, Tomb of Idea. And then oh, yeah. that was the Vincent Price. And that was good. And then we could see, I don't know if you know some of these kind of uh, movies of that ilk. We saw one day, I think it all go with, well, one day we saw I was a teenage Frankenstein and I was a teenage werewolf with Michael Landon. But then we saw a double bill of Ega. Do you remember Ega? 
thinking of the Richard Keel film. Yes, Richard Keel was the kind you. of a uh, you know missing link from the woods that came into right. a party in San Fernando Valley and kind of a you know swinging uh, twist party you know and uh, <laughs> things that I can remember. And then the Sadist, which I just saw again, believe it or not, on my phone, as you can find everything on YouTube these days, as you know, that is a movie. Wayman, Zygmunt, or Haskell, no, one of those guys, it was their first movie as a cinematographer. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and it was a, a cheap little thing, you know, it was almost like uh, Badlands. It was almost like those, a couple of crazy teenagers uh, who met us some, some, you know, visitors in a gas station that they pulled up in. And, uh, it was scary, but the shots were sort of beautifully laid out. I think some of the were, I think it was Haskell. It could have been Haskell. Well, Vilma Sigmund. William Sigmund. could have been Vilma Sigmund, who went as William Sigmund or something like that. I could be wrong. Anyway, we saw stuff like that. So, these Vincent Price movies that were part of that. So, I have a, an affection for all those movies that we saw back then. And I'll often call Pam. Now, she's a great painter. If you go to her website, to the world of Tata Pam. We call her Tata Pam because that's French uh, for uh, aunt. You know, she's Aunt Pam around here because uh, my wife speaks French and speaks French to the kids. I have two little kids, six and four. And we should talk about movies that I should be showing them or want to show them or have shown them. Anyway, that's Pam. And I call her and I say, hey, have you thought about this movie in a while? Or I saw this again. Or And then I, oh, yeah. I ran into Vincent Price at, at Ralph's one day in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I went up to him and said anything, but I saw him, you know, buying lettuce or something. <laughs> you know, he was a he was a cook and a, you know, oh yeah, a he's a and, a, and a first yeah. sophistication and a gourmand and, and his tastes and this and that. And he seemed very interesting, and I sure like that impersonation that uh, Bill Hader does of him on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> very good. But I wish I'd gone up to him and talked more, like I've said before. But you know who came up to me on the street one day was, uh, or who I passed and we spoke for a while, was Al David Hedison, who starred in, who was my part, played my part really, kind of the corresponding part that I played in The Fly, the original Fly. Al David Hedison, of course, you know, yeah. And we talked a little bit. I think he just died as a matter of fact. Between the Fly and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I mean, those are such solid movies. I love the Philip Kaufman Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh, thank you so much. I do too. Well, those two directors, you know, uh, those was my theory that, you know, you can't be good in not a good movie and you gotta look for good directors and try to be in a good movie. But they'll use you well. Um, and that was sure the case with David Cronenberg. And Philip Kaufman, as I'm sure you know, with whom I just corresponded, believe it or not, after a couple of decades. I mean, I, I, I adored him. And we hit it off together and he put me in uh, the right stuff and Invasion of Body Snatchers. We had a very good time. And then we fell out of touch. But recently I did something. Oh, I know what I did. I love all behind the scenes. That's why I love what you're doing. And I love all extra material and inside backstage story stuff, of off-screen story stuff, how things are done. I'm always listening to you know, documentary, just watching documentaries about Kubrick and uh, you know, everybody else. So I did a voiceover for a documentary of the making of Fiddler on the Roof. And I was talking to these two guys. Uh, the director had done a documentary of Harold and Lillian. Do you know that documentary? I think so. I know the name's familiar. That, you 
really enjoyed that. It's a well-done documentary. He's good. And it's about this couple. This like, love the story of a couple who falls in love. And they're together. They contributed mightily to many big movies that you will know uh, by doing these both the story he the story was and essentially sort of created many images that you know even more than the director like the shot in the graduate of Benjamin between you know through the leg Ms. Robinson's leg and many they worked worked with Hitchcock many you know the storyboards for the birds uh, uh, Hitchcock followed uh, it looks like exactly so he's very interesting to hear about also his wife, Lillian, who was a researcher who amassed a library of research that everybody, including Coppola, uh, we did Zotrope, had her bring her whole library over and be part of Zotrope. Uh, it's a very interesting documentary. I like all that kind of stuff. Daniel Payne, the director of uh, Lillian and Fiddler on the Roof documentary, the making of, gave me Phil Scott. He was a friend with uh, Phil Scott. So I started to, I wrote Philip a, an email and he wrote to me back and, and I'm in touch with him again. Yes, he did a great job with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Michael Chapman, of course, you know, did the cinematography, who had done Raging Bull and many other things. It looked like it did. Of course, uh, I guess we should talk about Donald Sutherland. That was the second movie I did in Sutherland. Right. Because I did, yeah, you remember the other one I did before? Yeah, uh, Threshold, I think it was called, the, the yeah, heart one. Right. You, you, you're so smart. Yes, Threshold, which was the first movie of what actor? Oh, gosh. That I'm not sure. Uh, it, the answer is Mare Winning. Okay, yeah, she looked like such a baby in that movie. She was fantastic. I remember our first reading. I'd known her a little before, or maybe that was the first time I met her. Well, she was fantastic in that. What a sensitive and brilliantly talented actor she is. So John Sullivan's in that. So he's invasion of ice, of course, Leonard Nimoy was also. And, of course, Brooke Adams takes us to uh, Days of Heaven. We could talk about that. But Brooke Adams is in that. And, of course, Veronica Cartwright played my wife, Nancy right. Belichick. Most prominently, Veronica Cartwright was in what other, well, couple of movies I'm thinking about. But we were just talking about Hitchcock, the one Hitchcock movie was shooting. Yeah, she's in The Birds, right. Well, the Birds, yes, yes. Oh, she comes up, yes. The Birds. And then, of course, she's in Alien. She's one of the right. members of Alien. Oh, yeah. so good. Uh, so that's uh, Veronica Card, right? Wonderful Veronica Card, right? And Phil Coffin. Yeah, I like that movie, too. Nicely done, isn't it? And you've seen probably all the versions of that. The original, Don Cino, I guess, and then the Abel Ferrara, which I never saw. Nice movie. All in San Francisco. Hey, did you see... You being a film buff as you are, speaking of San Francisco and movies, it now occurs to me in San Francisco. You know Guy Madden? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love Guy Madden. We talked about working together. I really admire him. We had a lovely meeting here together, and I hope we do something together. But wow, what a, what a body of work he's got. I've seen a few things out of the Forbidden Room, but I love the Green Fog. Did you see that? Yeah, that is great. Have you ever seen, um, well, I'm sure you've seen Careful, but have you ever seen Archangel, I think it's called? I've never seen either of those. No, I have oh. to catch up this whole body of work. Yeah. That's uh, really a good uh, Yeah. I, when he first started out, he would do Tales from the Gimli Hospital. Is, it feels very much like a silent film. And then Archangel was the second one, and it's black and white, but it feels like it's one of those early sound films like blackmail where they would record the sound after and so it like it doesn't match up with their mouths completely and then 
careful, he shot it in, I think it's two-strip Technicolor. So it's got this great look to it. And it's this amazing story of this mountain town where you can't be too loud because they're always afraid of avalanches. And so this it's like the people become almost twisted because they can't ever express their emotions because they have to be quiet all the time. It, it, it's fantastic. It's great. He is imaginative and unique and original. And yeah, I know he plays around with sort of old old techniques like that. Yeah. You know, I love all that stuff. And what he did with the Green Fog using, you know, found footage from TV shows and movies in San Francisco by, re- by you know, in order to retell uh, or at least recapture the gestalt of vertigo is just great. Made me laugh. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, no, he, he's he's something special. And he's such a nice guy, too. Such a nice guy. You talk to him. Yeah, isn't he delightful? Yeah. Delightful. Uh, no, turn me on to him. Is I'll bet here's another guy you uh, appreciate with whom I work. He's Rick Alverson. Okay, yeah. Because I did The Mountain with Rick Alverson. And right. And he gave me a whole, you know, he, we would talk. I, I wish you'd been there for our talk. Cause he, he has a love of a certain kind of similar, very strong opinions about what he likes, what's good, what's bad, what he's trying to achieve. And then people he can really recommend to you. And he turned me on to that and oh, Claire nice. Denis and so, some other people, yeah. Rick Alverson. Did you see our movie, The Mountain? It's been a little while. Uh, that one came out not too long ago, did it? No, not too long ago. A couple of years ago. You know, yeah. yeah. Years I, ago. I didn't see it at the theater, but I saw it when it first hit home video. Oh, uh, no kidding. I, I really enjoyed the movie before that. Entertainment. Uh, with yeah. Greg Berkinson. You know, I really enjoyed it. And Ty Sheridan, who was in The Mountain. Yeah. Rick Alverson. I had heard that you worked with Shane Carruth, the guy that did Upstream Color and Primer. But I'm glad you brought him up. I want to talk to somebody in the know about him. He, we were going to, and he didn't. Okay. A meeting. Uh, I saw uh, with a friend uh, Upstream Color at that old theater on Fairfax, which is now no more. It's something else now. It used to be the silent movie theater. Then it was a kind of an arty theater. They showed Upstream Color, which I got a kick out of. And then oh, yeah. we saw the Time Machine movie. What's that called? Primer. Primer, of course. He's so interesting. And Amy Simons is so interesting. And she, of course, appears in a Rick Alverson movie, appears in uh, in entertainment. And so I met with both of them. And then they both came with jazz gig that I did. Uh, and he and I talked about doing doing a part in this movie that he was cooking up called, um, I believe, The Modern Ocean, which was right. very interesting and abstract and and uh, artful uh, and um, you know beautiful uh, script I don't know what it came about and I'm not sure where he is off to now but uh, I think he's very interesting yeah do you know him have you talked to him no I would love to, to talk about upstream color sometime because that, that movie's just so hypnotic my oh, goodness my she's Ooh. wonderful in it. and that movie with the pigs and the, and the orchids and the that's a good one. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. What else do you like particularly? What are your favorite things? Every year we do a series in September. We call it Czech Temper. And we talk about Czechoslovakian films. So a lot of the Czech New Wave stuff and things past that, you know, all the way up to like, I think 78 might be the, the la- latest one that we've done. But yeah, I really like there's a director named Oldrich Lipsky who does these really outrageous comedies like uh, one called I Killed Einstein Gentleman. 
it's in the future and radio radiation is so bad that all of the women have beards and so the men are very disappointed that their women have beards so they go back in time to kill albert einstein so that uh he won't come up with things that eventually lead to the atomic bomb it is hilarious uh, that sounds hilarious <laughs> hey that brings to mind that movie where patricia Arquette was her suit and had a condition of her suit i think uh What's his name? Yeah, you know, French director. I think I talked to him and wanted to do that part that Tim Robbins. Yeah, you know that movie? What's the name of that movie? Uh, Human <laughs> Nature. And it oh, was... Yes. Human Nature. That's uh, Michelle Gondry. That's right. Michelle Gondry, yeah. I think he says Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, seeing the movies. Hey, I worked with um, Paul Schrader. And before I did that movie that we did, I said, hey, one of the movies that I should see it has something to do with this movie or that are your favorite movies, so I got on the same page. Sensibility was and he, I'll bet as you know, wrote that article for some comments about what the criteria are for beautiful cinema and art right. and cinema. And it's quite uh erudite and eloquent. And then he gives the first twenty most important movies and, and we should go through that list, you know, the first of which is and I thought there were many things I hadn't seen. So I took that whole course and so I you know rules of the game I think was the first oh, nice. uh, one on there. And Tokyo Story is the second one there's a fast bender on there, uh, Alley Theory is the soul, and, and oh, um, yeah. seven men from now, and a lot of those things I hadn't seen, he turned me on to. But Wes, but working on, I, I, but, um, working with Wes, I have a list, but maybe you want to talk about other things, but I have a picture here, I'm looking at my photos on the phone, because I took a photograph of the little menu, here it is, of um, movies that he was interested in, that we might see. Do you want to hear this list? Oh, sure, that sounds great. Uh, I'll tell you the ones I haven't seen. I never saw 20th Century. How much? I've never seen Heat the Lightning, Mervyn Roy. I've never seen The Petrified Forest with Humphrey Bogart. Oh, I've never yeah. seen or haven't heard of Thunder Rock, Leave Her to Heaven, Desert okay. Fury. I have seen Gun Crazy, but I went through a, I went through a noir kind of period. Ace in the Hole, I think I saw Billy Wilder. I right. saw Steve Bennett. Uh, Captive City, I don't know. Niagara, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Niagara, I just, I came upon because is that Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, yeah, that's Marilyn Monroe. I just saw that on the big screen about two years ago. They were doing a noir festival here. Oh, I should see that because I just saw, I think they're showing it on Criterion right now. Yeah, and I saw it and thought, oh, I should see that. I want to say Joseph Cotton might be in that too. Really? So here's Eternity. Uh, I've seen Inferno. Never saw. Oh, is that the French director? What's that guy's? Roy Ward Baker. Oh, okay. Nope, don't know that one. Don't know it. Everyone, of course, you know, I can catch up with it. I've never seen Bad Day at Blackrock. Oh, but, yeah. Um, uh, and I hear, the, I hear the commentary on that is a whole course in itself. A very good commentary, I guess, by Sturgis, John Sturgis, uh, about, you know, what went into it. Yeah, there's Foxfire, I don't know. There's just a few more. Bottom of the Bottle, I don't know. Also by Henry Hathaway. A Kiss Before Dying, I know 12 Angry Men, The River's Edge, I know. Some Came Running. Vincent Minnelli, don't know it. Do you know that movie? I've heard the title, but I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen The Misfits. It's fun to talk about. Lonely oh, or yeah. Brave. I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. Gets Me Stupid, Billy Wilder. No, nice. Oh, no, really. I just saw the last picture show again. Uh, I thought that when it first came out, that's another one was going to get Shirley and Harold Goldblum took us to see when it first <laughs> came out. That was something. Uh, you can imagine. I was already, you know, that was something. Uh, and uh, Paris, Texas, I've now seen Harry okay. Dean Stanton, whom I know. Another guy, by the way, apparently had vaguely Harry Dean, that in his years of uh, older struggle, and uh, Ed uh, stayed very close to him. 
anyway, I just wanted to go through that list with you, but you know, we should meet sometime and talk at length. I would love that. I if I ever got to uh, your part of the country, I would definitely do that. Come on, we'll figure out how to do it. Okay. Cool. All right. Sounds good. What was it like playing Ernie Kovacs? Funny you should say that. I was just talking about that a couple of days ago because somebody told me I should see this documentary called Late Night, the history of late night. I think it's on HBO Max or something. That interests me terrifically because I'm telling one of these, I'm doing a cycle where I'm not promoting this one called Jeff Golden. So I'm on these shows uh, again, and uh, I, I like him. I'm on court, and I'm going to do court this kind of Thursday. And I'm guest host of him once, as he asked me to do. And that was uh, an incredible and enjoyable experience. So I'm interested in that whole world. And I played Ernie Kovacs. I'll be darned. I worked hard on it, and, and so I had to recreate some of his bits. So I looked at there's old footage that you can see, of course. I watched on them in order to kind of impersonate some of those things and recreate some of those things. And uh, Edie Adams, uh, you know, was portrayed in it. And Cloris Leachman, who won, I believe, a Golden Globe or an Emmy, played my mother in it. And it was great. Yeah, I liked playing that. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, Robert Altman, uh, at one point, said to me when we were together, hey, you know, I saw that thing again on Ernie Kovacs. When I first heard that you were doing it, I thought, uh, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to be. But, you know, I really enjoyed what you did, and I enjoyed the movie. How about that? That's great. You worked yeah, with Altman a lot over the years. Yeah, I did. I did one of the four movies. Well, I did, you know, it's the first guy I met when I came out to California. Like I say, he took me to his, I was taken to his, his Westwood offices. You can imagine when Wells was walking around, and it was just before we did California Split. And he said, hey, if I like you, I like you in that play. I said, if I like you, you like me, let's do, uh, let's do Nashville this summer. And so we did California Split in Nashville. And then, uh, and then the player later, and of course, beyond Sarah, we did while he was in Paris. And that was, and then with his, you know, um, cohort, Alan Rudolph, right. uh, who was the first AD, as I remember, on Nashville. Wait a minute, sorry, I'm on the, I'm on the phone, sure, just uh, I, I, I did, um, I did remember my name. Did you ever mm. see that movie? It's been a while, but I do remember that one. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, Geraldine Chaplin was in that. Alfred right. Woodard, I think that was her first movie. Very uh, uh, fun, and uh, what a lucky, can you imagine all this now that I'm talking about it, you know, hearing it once again, lucky uh, string of chances I've had, interesting people i met. I need to let you go soon, just because uh, I think I only asked for an hour. Yeah, I was about to pop in and just say we got time for one more question. Okay, one cool. One more question. Okay, all right. Remember, I'm talking on the phone to the great Mike White. Okay, kids, 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 wait, wait, I'm on the, I'm on the air, I believe, right now. So No, it's all pre-recorded, you're good. I'm not going a- anywhere, I'm just, well, I am going anywhere, right, right from here, I'm going to Volsterfest, and Terry Brownstein is going to interview me. Goodbye. No, no, I'm, after I finish it, I'll be home around 3.30, because I'm going to the Hollywood Roosevelt Motel. Okay, but let me finish up with my phone. You guys, get, 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 out, get out of here, come on, hey, I'm wearing a new, I've never worn this jacket before, I have a, believe it or not, a blue suede fringe jacket on. Oh my gosh, it might be my favorite house. Okay, get out. Get out. Get out. No, okay, go ahead. Give me one more question. <laughs> well, last question for you is just I was curious how the pandemic affected you and what you did during that time. I was lucky. Uh, you know, I mean, it affected me terrifically because my heart was broken for all the pain that uh, many people went through, of course. I was uh, careful, and uh, thank goodness my family was okay. And uh, very lucky, I was busier than ever. Believe it or not, we went out, as you may have heard, and early on went to, to England, the Pinewood Studios, and shot uh, uh, Jurassic World, the meme. From there, 
I came back and shot some more sexies in the world when Jeff Goldblum. They were very careful. We went to Atlanta, as was one of the places we could travel to, and interesting things could happen there. And then I did a couple other movies that I can't tell you about because they haven't officially released the, you know, the word about it. But uh, right. I'm excited about another movie that I'd love to talk to you about privately, and another movie that I'd love to talk to you about. But I was constantly busy. And in the middle of it, I did. I did five or six episodes of Search Party, if you know what this is on, and yeah, stuff like that. So, how about that? Have you been okay during this time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up, I was working from home for about a year and it actually, the podcast helped out quite a bit because I could connect with people and still talk about movies and things. So that was, it was all right. You don't understand. I'm on with my place. You have to be quiet. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Okay, okay, thank you. They're going to take the credit escaping by going outside. It's hot today. It's 90 degrees. It's in the playhouse. In the playhouse. Okay, okay. But you have to be quiet. Okay. Yes, Mike. What what else? What else? That's it. I will wrap this. I know you got uh, obligations going on. So thank you so much, Mr. Goldblum. This was fantastic. (laughs) Mr. White, you're so good. Mr. White, isn't that a character in Rescue Dog? Yes, it is. Oh, well, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. I hope to see you in person sometime. We'll, we'll carry on this uh, formal conversation. Sounds terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing it. 